Now I'm going to read from the section of the Lord's Prayer. Normally we turn to Matthew, which is the fuller version, but Luke's version 11 verse 2 says everything today. So Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. We're going to hold on to those words today. Now I've got a take-home package for you today. This is the message I want you to take home with. You are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. That's taken from the story of Queen Esther, who was raised to royal position during a time of crisis in the nation and her uncle had to remind her that her position in the kingdom, high position in the court as queen, she had a responsibility to her own people, the, Jew, the Jews. And in fact, because she took that place, she saved a nation. Now, I'm not going to talk about Esther today, but that's the idea that's in my mind. You do not yet know fully the potential that God has for you and through you in his kingdom to bring about his purposes in this generation and which will have effects in generations to come. I can't do everything in one occasion, therefore I've decided tonight to take this from another perspective. And I encourage you to come out tonight because tonight I will share a, a revelation that God gave me in the year 2000, 16 years ago. I've shared it with a few people, a few trusted colleagues. I've not made it public before. I've not had the release to do it, but I've released to do it tonight. And in this revelation that I received 16 years ago, all to do with Brexit and Britain leaving the European Union. And the knock-on effects of that are so significant that if we step up to the plate, who knows but that we could not avoid or help avoid a major intercontinental conflict in terms of war in the years to come. Now, you won't understand that now, not because I haven't given you enough information. Tonight, I want you to come out and hear that. And the people together, people are praying, people from the network are coming together. They know how significant this is. And uh, I'm sharing it now so you'll know about it tonight. And also that you will see from that revelation, that revelation, how that, how we rise up today in our generation to lay hold of God's kingdom may well have effect for generations to come. It is that significant. Now we know we're living in momentous times, very turbulent times. Times of, of change, geopolitical, geoeconomic changes, but even behind those forces lie the geospiritual forces which we are in touch with because we're in touch with the living God. I'm not a politician, I'm none of those things, but I've been listening to God on this topic for more than 16 years. 
And I want to share that with you. We have the right to discern what Israel should do, what the people of God should do at this particular time. We know that we have the issues of of almost global terrorism just through one force alone, which is Islamic, radical Islamic extremist terrorism. And it hit out very strongly this last week in, in Nice in that most appalling and most despicable of ways and most defenseless of ways. And because it wasn't some plot requiring a whole lot of technology, but it was devastating and terrible. And I had friends living in Nice and and, and called them and and every one of them safe, praise God. But many people were not safe. There are people now in hospitals. Lives are hanging on a thread. We prayed for them at the beginning of our service. And then we also have the instability in Turkey. Turkey is a very key nation for what I will say tonight in, in the message tonight. Uh, and, but instability everywhere. Then we look at the shock result. Now maybe you, you were different, but I did not predict, I did not think that the British people would vote to leave Europe. I hoped they would, and I've shared that reason and more tonight on that. But I, I, I didn't know that it would happen. And that sent shock waves right across the world. Uh, as now Britain is learning to reposition itself, to remake itself as a nation. And that is the window of opportunity that you and I have to step into that gap, to step into that vacuum and ensure that the new Britain, which is forged by new relationships, will not be anti-Europe, of course not, but relationships with mainland Europe, relationships with other nations of the world, and, and people from outside Europe should rejoice because that means we'll have free opportunity to encourage what's happening overseas, and I think it in many ways is positive. Now, I know that's a bit political, but let me, let me say to you, I heard just one person criticize how dare Colin stand up and be political. Let me tell you about this. Politics is to do with people, and people is to do with God, okay? Now, what we are avoid, and you will never find us doing this, we will always avoid being party political. There are Christians from every different political party, but you cannot avoid speaking about issues which are deemed to be political. And this issue of the European Union is highly political, but it is spiritual. I focus on the spiritual things. I'm not qualified as a politician, but you know, seeking God for the spiritual issue. So I'm speaking about this politically, but I want you to understand beyond the political statements that there is the geospiritual forces that are at stake. This is a spiritual issue as God works out his program, bringing us to the end times. So what is his program? Very simple. We have it in our title. Your kingdom come. That's God's program. That's the goal of history. That's the goal of God. God's one great purpose is to restore his kingdom to the earth. Not to heaven. There's not a problem with heaven. Psalm 103 verse 19 says the Lord has already established his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules rules over all things. There is no problem with heaven. God's purpose is to bring heaven to earth. That's what the kingdom is. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. And and when Jesus came preaching, he said, Repent, for the time is fulfilled. The time has come. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Which means the kingdom of heaven is drawn close by. All you have to do is reach out and grab it. 
And I would put it in this dimension. Reach out and grab handfuls of heaven. God's kingdom is coming. So when he tells us to pray every day, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even before we get to our needs, give us this day our daily bread. Can I have an amen for that one? Of course. But we remember that God's purpose is about his kingdom. Re-establishing it on the earth. What's that all about? Go back to the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. He created humanity. Gave us a beautiful home in what was called the Garden of Eden. And every evening in the cool of the evening, the Lord God walked in the garden in the cool of the day, having fellowship. There was no barrier between heaven and earth. It was a complete united relationship, God and his people. Then when sin entered, heaven, as it were, withdrew. And the earth was left, as it were, with all the issues that we have to face. We live in an imperfect world. We live in a world of injustice, a world that is broken, a world that is painful, a world that is hurting where there's sin and death. And God says, I am acting to reverse all of that. A long-term program, thousands of years later, Christ appears and the Bible says the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth stepped into the world of space and time and revealed himself and his name is Jesus. Ultimate reality, the reality behind the universe, that personal reality, God himself stepped into the planet. Now that in itself was not unusual. We saw it in the very beginning. God came down, fellowshipping with his people. And God has never left. He's always working by his spirit, speaking and moving and revealing himself. But when Christ came, it was a revelation of God in a totally different order of magnitude. God himself came down. And not just to show himself in any old fashion, any, any way or fashion, showed himself in human form in the beginning. The word God, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh. God was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. Pause for a moment and reflect. Christian people, recapture your ability to reflect. Don't just go through life unthinking. Reflect. Think about that. Pause and think how extraordinary is that claim? That God came down, not just in human form, but God came in humanity. Fully God, fully man, one, one, uh, 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 one person, Jesus Christ. Amen. Think about that. And if you don't know how unusual that is, if you don't know how outrageous that claim is, try and talk to a Muslim friend about it. Even talk to a Jewish friend about it. Talk to an atheist friend. Talk to a nominal Christian friend. Talk to anybody that hears those words and meditates on them. It is an amazing claim. But it's not a claim that we make. What we do is we report the claim made by Jesus himself. And we are called to let people know that when Christ came, so did the kingdom come. Where the king is, there is the kingdom. And because of that... We know that God's program of bringing in the kingdom will come to its final conclusion. And what is that conclusion? We all die and go to heaven 
And what happens on earth? Have you ever thought about that? Is God abandoning the earth? Like some spaceship get over there, I'm going to destroy it? No, no, no. The Apostle Peter tells us that God is going to recreate the heavens and the earth. Remember, God's purpose is to bring His kingdom on the earth. He's never given up on the earth. It is all about what God wants to restore on the earth. So if you think it's all about dying and going to heaven, I've got, I don't know, I suppose it's really got to be good news, but you might think it's bad news. Now heaven, going to heaven serious stuff, but don't be afraid, it's not the end of the world. I'm quoting a famous theologian there, which I think is an ironic statement. Heaven is serious, but it's not the end of the world. What then is the end of the world? Heaven is a resting place. Heaven is a waiting room. Heaven is a pusada. Heaven is a wayside inn where we go temporarily as a place that Jesus has prepared for us so that when the time comes for the kingdom, we will be ready to come back and take over the earth in His kingdom. God's destination is planet earth. New heavens and a new earth. Can I have an amen? Amen. I want to hit that a little harder because we've somehow been brought up. It's all about keeping yourself as holy as you possibly can here on the earth. And one day, hallelujah, we're going to die and get the heaven out of here and leave this miserable existence behind. No, the new heavens and the new earth is coming down from heaven. And in that place on this earth, we're coming right back here. We're coming right back here, but it'll be transformed. Everything's going to be different. And you know what? What you do for God now that changes your environment, that builds for the kingdom of God, will last. It will last the shaking that is to come. If it's built on the kingdom, it cannot be shaken. And you will be able to recognize in the future life, the reconstructed, the regenerated cosmos, the regenerated earth, you will be able to recognize your contribution to the kingdom of God. That's why we must be involved. That's why we must be engaged in society, in the marketplace, and make a difference here and now, and not just wait for Jesus to return or for us to die and go home to heaven. Amen and amen. So, that's the background to this. Now, what, is, what do we do in the meantime? Obviously, we are waiting. We're waiting. I'm, I'm waiting for that day. But we're not just waiting for that day. We are busy with God's business now. The kingdom at that time will so have fully come that it can be, could be said the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of God and his Christ. In other words, everything is going to be transformed and brought in line with the kingdom of God. And looking forward to that day. But now what do we do? Now we live by kingdom principles. If you're going to build for tomorrow, you'd start today by taking the principles of the kingdom of God and applying them with consistency to your life. You're lining yourself up with ultimate reality. You're on the right side of history. You're on the right side of destiny when you allow God to shape your life according to kingdom principles. Where's the amens? Okay, okay, got you, got you. All right, now, 
That's important. You say, well, we know that. It's probably why you didn't say amen straight away because you, you know that. But listen, you need to be reminded, as I do, because the kingdom principles are usually diametrically opposed to the wisdom of this present age. So in other words, it's learning how to think according to the principles of the kingdom. Learning how to live according to those principles. And as a result of that, soon you will be demonstrating the kingdom. You are the only Jesus that people will ever see. You are the only Bible they'll ever read until they come to Christ, okay? So you demonstrate the kingdom of God. How amazing if they took a hold of you and shook you. And what came out was kingdom. Shake you some more, more kingdom. And the more they shake you, the more kingdom. Soon they'll either stop shaking you or they will follow you. It's all about kingdom, demonstrating the kingdom. Part of the demonstration of the kingdom is the Christ-like character responding in the way that Jesus responds. And we think of the radical Christianity as reflecting yesterday. I'll get off the topic quickly. I want to get back to my topic. I was reflecting yesterday on the difference between radical Islam and radical Christianity. Oh, they make a good sermon, make a good book, wouldn't it? What is a radical Christian? The more you persecute them, the more they love you. The more you hate them, the more you love you. The more they persecute them, the more they pray for you. They turn the other cheek. I mean, you know, that is everything that is totally opposed to ISIS and everything else that comes from it. Because our kingdom is God's kingdom. It's a kingdom of love. It's a kingdom of peace. It's a kingdom of righteousness. It is not an earthly kingdom that's brought about by earthly means. It is a heavenly kingdom that is coming into the earth and we are part of it. Demonstrate the kingdom through our actions. Demonstrate the kingdom through signs and wonders. Hallelujah. In all our (coughs) emphasis and desire to be people of the word. And we are, and we are, we are seeking that direction. Let us never forget that we are spirit-filled people who have the capacity under God to see signs and wonders and miracles take place. Amen. Amen. Where are the amens? 11 o'clock. Nine o'clock, we're more awake. Okay, and then to extend the influence of the kingdom through your life, and as the main point of this message is, work for the kingdom. Work for the kingdom. In Evelyn's testimony earlier on, when she was interviewed, she explained to Christian how that she was working in marketing and wanted to change and, and work differently and, and so on, look for a different kind of a job and, and through the ministry, prayer ministry of the cell and advice and our own business forum was helped to succeed in getting a position in one of the top companies in Britain, Ernest and & Young. And, uh, and, but you know, I say to her, she's called to the kingdom for such a time as this. This is not about self-advancement. Thank God, amen, thank God that God may well have a trajectory of promotion and prosperity and all the things that you might dream about, especially if you put them in second place and seek first the kingdom of God. That's good, but it is not about you. It's about God and them. This is why I was so impressed by Rubens Teixeira. And he made this very clear, here's his book, how to succeed when you're not favored. All odds are stacked, stacked against you. He made this very clear when he shared with our business forum this week in the evening. And all the advances that he's made in his life. You hear his story, he comes out in the book. It is extraordinary how this man even ever survived, physically survived, 
let alone grew into the fullness that God has given him. I thought it'd be about two things. This is a great man, great intellect, and I like being around clever people. I hope some of the smarts rubs off on me, but uh, so far, no, no joy. Anyway, but, uh, and I think it's important that you use your intellect for God. I just, just wonder what the brain power is here today. There must be some amazing capacity. So this thing that God has given you, use it. Train it when you are young and use it for all of your life for the glory of God. I thought about intellect, he gave God glory. Then I thought it'd be about, yeah, we've heard all this before. Business success, motivational teaching. Go and get a book from W.H. Smith's on how to succeed. Put a few Bible scriptures in it and publish it and say, there we go, it's Christian material. No, no, no. No. Did you get that? (laughs) His story was about purpose. His story has a mission. And it's scary mission. It's so scary, I'd say, don't try it at home. He, 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 He believes that God has called him. He was in the military. God has called him to fight for Brazil. Now, not militarily, though I suppose he's still prepared to do that, but now fight for the, on behalf of people who are poor, disenfranchised, marginalized, especially as a result of high-level, rampant corruption in the nation. A pause there before you say, I'm not criticizing Brazilians here, uh, Brazilians, Barbosa and family. I'm not criticizing Brazil. We, 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 let's talk about Great Britain. Corruption is endemic in our society all over the world. And this man has so much courage that he will go into the equivalent, don't try this, Evelyn, unless God tells you to do it, walking straight into the big boss's offices and saying, I've seen what you're doing and I smell corruption and I'm going to keep on finding that corruption till I find it, expose you, root it out, and if necessary, this company comes down. Next day, he gets his marching orders. All right. So now what I'm saying about that, that's his calling. And we should stand up for truth and righteousness everywhere, but that's his calling, but that's his purpose. And so he is not dependent on other people's jobs for promotion, for well-being. He is serving God according to the vision that God has given you, given him. So you serve God according to the vision that God has given you, given you. Okay, now it could be, this is, you might think this is a bit of manipulative comment here, so be, be on your guard, but it could be. That one of the reasons that you are not where you would like to be in life is because God says, oh, heavens no, I couldn't put you in that position because it's all about you so far. The moment you learn it's all about me and all about them, then maybe you'll get what you're looking for. Could be. Okay. So I'm going to outline for you three ways in which we do this. Three ways in which we work for the kingdom of God. I do not apologize for the simplicity here, but I ask you not to dismiss it because of the simplicity for two reasons. Number one, simple things, if they're true, are very profound and stable and we can build our lives on them. Secondly, it's one thing to know them and to say, I know what three points he's going to make and I wasn't even at the nine o'clock service. You may be able to predict that. You may be able to write this sermon for me. The point though is not whether you know it, the point is whether you are doing it. Ouch, oh, that, that hurt. Did anybody feel that? 
Yes, okay. So it's not just what I say, it's what I do. It's not just what you hear, it's what you do. And if we really come back to the reality of these three things, prayer, evangelism, and engagement, if we come back to the reality of these three things and go out of these doors and live now, we have not a moment to lose. Live now in this window of opportunity that God has given us. Who knows that within a year or two, we might well have been instrumental in shaping the new Britain and making sure that our nation doesn't turn its back upon God. It's as significant as that. And tonight I'll show you some prophetic material. So the context of the Lord's Prayer, of course, is prayer. The disciples came to Jesus in Luke's Gospel, seeing him pray, and there was something desirable about the way he was praying. So they said, teach us to pray. And out of that comes the teaching on the Lord's Prayer. So prayer is what it's all about. But I want you to notice the first bit, the bit that I read. Of course, it does go on to the bit that we like. Give us our daily bread. And we love it when preachers say, now bread stands for every physical need and necessity of life. Give us our daily bread. Give us our monthly income. Give us our daily bread. Give us money to pay the mortgage. Give us our daily bread. Gives us a job. And so on. It's about everything and it's there. Please don't think I'm, I'm neglecting that. But remember the first part of the prayer is all about the big geo-spiritual issues and God's plan to bring his kingdom in. And it's centered on God's will. Meaning that God's will is about bringing his kingdom and we need to understand how to pray intelligently. The Lord's Prayer, I suppose there is some value in simply reciting the words. But the words are not meant merely to be recited. The words are prayer guidelines. And we fill in the details. So in prayer and intercession that makes a difference, it is all about hearing God, learning what God's will is. And of course, we study scriptures for this. The sure word of prophecy is scripture. But it could be that tonight you will agree with me that a revelation that came to me 16 years ago is a, a pointer and a guidance and a direction for prayer. What God is up to in the bigger picture in Europe. What God's plan for Europe is and what God's plan for Britain is and how we could be instrumental. So we hear from God and we pray. Thank God for the regular prayer, daily prayer and Bible reading uh, publication we have to go through that, our regular prayer meetings, step up in prayer, not just about God, find me another job, if it's important to, to pray for those things, but as well as that, and perhaps even before those things, is to tune in to what God is saying and doing. What is God saying to France right now? What's happening in Turkey? What's happening in Britain here? And don't just interpret it in terms of your own preferences or prejudgments. God is up to something big. As I'll share tonight, this demonstrates, thank God, His hand is still on us. Amen. Yes, it is. But it's requiring us to step up to the plate. Prayer. Secondly, evangelism and witness. I say this against a background of something that's disturbed me. I'm not judging you. But I have been disturbed by a very strong impression. I'm very sensitive to spiritual atmosphere. And I have been disturbed by your response to a perceived spiritual atmosphere. 
which has brought a chilling effect in our nation when it comes to Christians and their desire to speak about Jesus. And where this comes from in recent decades, there has been measure after measure, influence after influence through media, politics, and so on, which has brought a chilling effect so that we feel that really it is better for us to keep quiet about our faith. When there was a threat coming and proposals that were coming that never, was never made law, thank God, but proposals that were being made we, uh, we, in the area of employment law to specify speaking about Jesus in your workplace would be taken to be against employment law. It would be taken to be, what's the word I'm looking for, not, not abuse. Um, hmm? No, 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 no. Um, Harassment, that's, thank you, I lost the word. Harassment. Har even if it's on your own time, even over coffee. And we know that nurses have lost their jobs. We, uh, uh, social workers have lost their jobs. We know that counsellors have lost their jobs simply because they dared share Jesus with somebody that asked them to do it. The idea is the enemy wants to silence the gospel through fear and intimidation. But I sense in the spirit that that has broken. And there is a fresh boldness upon God's people. And so this is about boldness. Secondly, it is learning how to preach with, some, with a positive message. A positive message. An encouraging message. A message of hope. And we felt it the first season when after that vote, everybody was shocked. The pound plummeted, the markets fell. Everybody said, see, told you we shouldn't leave Europe. Who's ever left Europe? Britain's still part of Europe. We're just not part of that monstrous thing called the European Union. A monstrous, I don't, not political comment. I'm talking about what's happening behind the scenes. An anti-God, Christless organization which seeks to keep Christ out of everything. Don't let it happen in Britain. We can change that. Okay? So, uh, straight afterwards, everybody was shaken. We were not shaken. Why? Because we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And also, whether in or out, we're not going to be shaken all about. Because in, God's with us. Out, God's with us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Another reason is we see the longer view. We see what God was up to. Even if Brexit meant for us prophetically that we went through time of hardship and economic difficulty, as Elijah did when he prophesied drought, we're not going to be fearful of that. God's on the throne. God's in control. He knows how to take care of us. Sit down for you. Go well with the righteous. Amen. Where are my people from Sierra Leone? Huh? You understand me? Sit down for ye. You go well with the righteous. Amen. Relax. Rest. God is with you. It's a positive message, okay? Also, it has to be a sensitive message. Listen to me carefully. I'd probably have to come back and deal with this in longer periods of time, but the world has changed. 
You know, we got to deal with the world as it is, not the world that we, we and, and live in denial. The definition of marriage has changed. Acknowledge that. We don't change the gospel. We don't change Bible truths. But we acknowledge the changes in our society so that we can more sensitively, accurately, and effectively proclaim the gospel. Our nation is no longer a single nation of like a Christian kind of thing. It is multi-faith. And it is perhaps not as multi-faith as we're led to believe because minorities are given tremendous favor and tremendous exposure. But we can't pretend and live as if and preach as if this is a Christian nation and, and there's nobody else here. We have to learn how to communicate our faith in terms that are applicable to the current situation, the situation in which we live. And this is requiring a tremendous amount of work and a tremendous amount of thinking. It's not just standing up on a soapbox yelling the gospel. It is about how do we meaningfully engage with people. And over the weeks and months, I've spent so much time listening to non-Christians who have no faith or have faith in something else. I've listened to them, heard them, talked with them, listened to what their issues are, and learning bit by bit to be more effective in addressing them where they are. So if you go in with your Bible, underlined uh, the book of, of Genesis with a Sodom and Gomorrah story, and go into your gay manager's office and say, read that, you're going down. <coughs> Is that how Jesus would have done it? I'm going to ask that again and think before you reply. Is that how Jesus would have done it? Would he have condoned sin in anybody? No. He said, I've not come to condemn, I've come to bring a word of salvation. And so how do you present? You cannot evangelize those whom you antagonize. Not easily, especially if you're antagonizing them differently. The gospel does provoke, the gospel does antagonize, and we don't, we don't compromise. Okay? But, but not to think through how we can reach people sensitively in all those areas. And we have to do this with boldness. We have to do this with positivity. To do this with, with sensitivity. And we do this with a reality in our own lives. Carrying the DNA of the kingdom. What is the DNA of the kingdom? The Bible says that we have been made partakers of the divine nature. Peter explains what he means by that, saying God's seed lives in us. We're born again of God's seed, God's nature. We have a divinely given nature. It's a renewed nature. And into that nature is a love for Jesus, so passionate, so strong. It is your birthright, your rebirthright. And the DNA of the kingdom is lodged deep within your spirit. Christ himself lives in you. God's spirit lives in you. You are a new creation. And you let that new creation DNA begin to express itself in your life. And, and at the end of the day, the kingdom is far more easily caught than taught, demonstrated. 
prayer, evangelism, witness, and now engagement. I see Britain right now as being in a bit of a vacuum. The vacuum is filling up very, very quickly. Uh, don't wait until it's too late. Every second counts. Very few predicted the result. There are a lot of people on Brexit. A lot of people now were taken off guard. But they are rapidly repositioning themselves, rapidly filling the vacuum with atheism, secularism, humanism, and false religion, and many ideas already being formed to exclude Christianity from, that, from the table of discussion in any meaningful way, to marginalize us. So now as never before, we need to engage wherever God has put us. The Bible speaks about salt and light. I remember Eldon Corsi, the former senior minister here, my first pastor, went to be with Jesus recently. Took one day a salt cellar as an example. And he took it up and he said, this is what needs to happen to the church. We are a salt container. And what has to happen is we need to be turned upside down and shaken out. What good if the salt remains in the salt cellar? It's there to be shaken out onto its environment so it can do its job. And the first part of that job is often pleasing, especially if it's there to flavor the food. But when it's there to stave corruption, you have salt beef, which isn't to everybody's taste. But when it's there to heal a wound, you put salt into a wound and it hurts and stings and not everybody will speak well of you. And that's an understatement, isn't it? But we know that when we say we are called to apply the principles of the kingdom to every part of our life, our family, our home, our neighborhood, our community, our place of work, and to do so with clarity, with intentionality, to say, I am going to so act in this environment and so influence this environment that the end result will mean that this environment is just a little more like heaven than it was before. That's our job. That's our job. So I encourage you. Take that stand, take that step. And I want to challenge every person that is involved in our giant's ministry. Not heard about our giants ministry, the business forum, the business fellowship is one of the giants, business and industry. We've looked at other domains of society, education, finance, all kinds of areas, medicine, politics, every area of society. And we call people who are involved in those areas together to meet in forums so that we can say, what can we do to influence our domain, our sector of society for God? Here's the challenge. We'll be following it up. It's not just going to come from here. We're going to follow this up. Here's the challenge. Every business forum meets between now and the autumn, early autumn, and ask yourself one question in this giant area. Let's take education. What is it that God wants us to do to change the environment of education so that education reflects at the end of this process a little more of the glory of God than it did at the beginning? Every area. Now, this is hard work. We'd sooner stop at home 
uh, and watch television or, or go to bed early or, 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 or pray or, or, or whatever. But this is time for us now to rise up and take advantage of this window. And as you'll hear tonight, the consequences of this and repercussions could be very, very serious in the decades that are to come. So I challenge you to step into the public place and don't hide your light, but let your light shine. Don't lose your saltiness, but apply the salt to your environment. This is more than, okay, Lord, here I am. I paid my tithes. Where's my blessing? I think I'll make the 9 o'clock. Oh, no, I'll make the 11 o'clock this week and sell. Okay, no, I'm too busy for that. No, no, no. We need a bunch of radical believers, a bunch of people who hear the voice of God and the prophetic call of the church of Jesus Christ. Deepen your experience of God. Rise up, stand up, be counted, and change your nation for the better for the sake of Jesus Christ. I, I don't want to, I, I was struck by Theresa May's speech uh, when she first became prime minister. This is not a political comment, a spiritual comment. I was struck by the fact that she was said something on the lines to make Britain a better place. I thought, how generalized, you know, it's very general. That's great. Who wants Britain to be a better place? Amen, amen. Everybody lifts their hands. But I thought to myself, Whatever political role politicians have to improve our society, and it's a God-given role, and we should support them in doing that and guide them in doing that, the real change makers are in this room because we have the full picture. We know we're in touch with God, and we have a capacity to make a difference, a real difference, because at the end of the day, when all the business is done, when all the politics has ended, there rests one, un seul chose, I got into French, there rests one single thing. And the only thing which is worth extending and worth building your life on, and that is the kingdom of God. Amen.